Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. And the last three weeks, really devouring Romans 6, 7, and 8, and I'm getting so much deeper things, so much wisdom, so much treasure, so much uh, revelation that unlocks the Christian living. And so if that's happening to me, how much more should we all say, God, keep teaching us? We, we have to remain hungry. It's easy for our mind to say, oh, but I've read that. I've read that so many times. What else am I going to get out of it? That's our mind saying that, our flesh saying that. But we want to go deep into the things of God. And, and I really believe God wants to bring a church into freedom. Freedom. Amen. Do you believe that? Yeah. See, if you don't believe it's possible, you'll never attain it. Did you know that? If you don't believe it's possible to live free from the law of sin and death, you actually won't. Make sure you're awake. Everyone's awake. All right. All right. So we looked at Romans 6. is a powerful chapter. We won't go into it again. But it really talks about our, our identification, that we died with Christ and that we were buried with Him through baptism. And if we were buried with Him, therefore we should be resurrected with Him. Like it's a beautiful teaching in the book of Romans, of a real powerful revelation of identification. What Jesus did for us, uh, he didn't do for himself, he did it for us. He became a man to identify himself for mankind. And so when he died on that cross, he didn't do it for himself, he did it for you, he did it for me. So what he achieved, we achieved. That's why the Bible talks about there being, we've been resurrected with Christ. If this, you know, we died, our, our old man died, we were crucified with Christ, so the old Leo died. So that the resurrected Leo comes alive and resurrected you, the glory of God, the same glory that raised Jesus from the dead, the same glory raised our dead spirit alive. So the Bible teaches us this in Ephesians and in Colossians, in Philipp, Philipp, Philippians and Romans, that we, are, uh, we died with Christ, we crucified with Christ, we were, we were buried with Christ through baptism, um, we were made alive with Christ. Think about that. Which part of you is made alive? Your spirit man. Because that's the part of you that was dead. So now it's alive. And then the Bible says that we're not just alive, we've been actually raised with Christ in heavenly places. And we're seated with Christ, and we're going to go into it from the Word, but we're also glorified with Christ. So now we need to know, how do we walk in that reality? How do we make that truth, which is real, that is a reality? We've got to take that reality and say, okay, Lord, how do I walk in it? How do you empower me to actually walk in the reality of what you've done? And then he, he starts teaching about the law. And he says a lot about the law has power over the law has power, gave power to sin. When the law came in, sin revived and I died. And without the law, sin has no power. But, so the law came in. But then it talks about we, were, we died to the law through the body of Christ. And just like if you were married to a person and one a person dies, then you're free from that person. If someone died, you're free to remarry. You won't be called an adulteress. It says, so you too, it is, the point is, it says, so you have been, you also died to the law, but now married to another, the one that was raised from the dead. We, we died to the law. Think about that. We died to the law. You and I have no relationship with the law. The law has no relationship with us. We're not accountable to the law because we, we died to the law through the body of Jesus Christ, but now we're actually united through union, through relationship to the one that's been resurrected. So you, that's who you're accountable to. 
to the Lord himself. It's a love relationship. It's this revelation that empowers you to live for him. This revelation. Unless we actually understand this revelation, we won't be empowered. We actually will stay in our flesh and keep falling into the flesh because we don't understand how he set us free. All right. A big old age argument or question is when um, Paul the Apostle, writing the book of Romans, starts talking about in chapter 7, he starts talking about, I believe he's definitely talking about uh, his old man, his old, uh, when he used to live in the natural realm, in the flesh, before he was born again. Now if you read that, we're going to read it now, but if you read it thinking he's talking about his struggle with the flesh, then we're going to think, wow, the great Paul the Apostle had his own struggles with the flesh, even though he was born again, spirit-filled, has the Holy Spirit living in him, and now he's, he's just being honest about his flesh. If you think that's what he's saying, then you'll have an excuse that if he struggled with the flesh like that, then we'll also struggle with the flesh. Does that make sense? Either he's talking about his before days with Jesus, before Christ, right? Before he was born again, resurrected, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Either he's talking about before those days, before he met Jesus, when he was sold. And he's talking about his struggles, trying to obey the law. Either he's talking about that, or he's talking about after he's born again, and um, the Holy Spirit's in him, and he still, still struggles with the flesh. Does that make sense? We've got to conclude, what is he talking about? We've got to see from the Scripture. I think it's, it's plain. I don't think it's hard to understand at all. I think the Scripture interprets itself. I'm not trying to change the Scriptures. You just can see for yourself that the Bible's very, very clear. If you read from chapter 7, verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, what's he referring to? When we were in the flesh. He's just explained himself. I'm about to go into an, a talk, an argument, a reasoning, a thinking. When we were in the flesh. The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Now he's saying, when we're in the flesh, this is, what, this is how it used to be. Okay, so it's clear, I think. Very clear. And it, it, it explains itself even better later. But if you pick it up in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. When was Paul sold under sin? Definitely not after he was born again. He has to be talking about his old man. He has to be talking about before he met Christ. Because he's not sold under sin anymore. We're not, that word sold means a slavery to sin. We're not slaves to sin now. Jesus set us free from sin. True? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. This is this, his struggle with the flesh before he, he met Christ. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with, with the law that it is good. Now it might sound a little bit confusing, but it's not really confusing when you understand he's talking from the flesh. If then I do, I'm doing what I will not to do. My spirit doesn't want to do it, but I'm still doing it because my flesh. I agree with the law that it is good. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He blames sin for, for the problem, why he couldn't defeat sin. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. And he's talking before he was a Christian. If you think he's talking about that while he's a Christian, then we've got no hope. Does that make sense? All right. For the good that I will to do, now uh, my spirit wants to do good, I do not do it because of my flesh. But the evil I will not do, my spirit doesn't want to do that evil, that I practice. He's talking about his dilemma 
of his flesh. Now, if I do what I will not do, so if, I, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He's blaming sin. I like that. Because in your heart, you want to obey God, but this flesh outside of Christ was king. It was on the throne. Our spirit was dead. It wasn't ruling. When your spirit's dead to God, because that's what we were, my body is ruling me. My flesh is ruling me. The, 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 the desires of the flesh is king. He's on the throne and he leads me. My mind is completely unrenewed with truth. So he just listens to the flesh. And my spirits are captive and obeys. Get dragged and chains. Chains and the flesh is doing all it wants to do. But once we met Christ, that spirit that was dead died. That old spirit died for a new resurrection. New creation took place. A new creation happened. Holy Spirit came and raised our dead spirit and made it alive to God. Now who's got the power? Now you can now take the throne. Flesh can take back seat. It gets told what to do now. It never did. Before it dictated, it led. It was the king. Now it's taken back seat. Does it make sense? That's why it's important to understand he's definitely talking about before Christ. Verse 20. Now if I do... What I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then the law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So in, according to the inward man, I delight in the will of God. I want to do it. But it's this flesh outside of Christ, when I didn't know Jesus, that constantly drags me away to doing, not doing the will of God. But I see another law in my members, in my body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, again, he's not talking about when he, after he met Christ. He's still referring to back there. Because he's not, he's, not, he's, not bringing, he's not being brought into captivity to the law of sin, which is in his members. Jesus, uh, Paul did not live a defeated life. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He healed the sick. He shook the known world with the gospel. Raised the dead, healed the sick. They were afraid of him. They wanted to kill him. They stoned him, threw him outside of town, and he just gets up and goes back into that town. I believe he died then. The disciples went around him and raised him from the dead. He went back into the very town of the people that stoned him. This guy knew something of Jesus. Not guy, Paul, the great apostle. And so verse 24 says, O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? And he gives you the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gave us the victory. Right? So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now let me quickly read that. In the Passion Translation, it makes it a little bit clearer. Look what it says. What an agonizing situation I'm in. Talking about before he met Christ. So, with, so who has the power to rescue me? No, I, I jumped something, sorry. What agonizing situation am I, I am in? So who has the power, that's right, to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? Yeah. And he goes on to say, verse 25, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally pr provided a way out, out, provided a way out through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principle. Isn't that good? 
And you know, in your Bible, when you read chapter 7, when Paul wrote, he didn't write chapter 8. He didn't put the chapters in there. We did. So we can do a Bible study. So he's just writing a whole letter. He's not dropping the thought of chapter 7. He's, it's one continual thought, all right? So you don't drop our oh, chapter... Because in our Western mindset, we think chapter 7's finished. It's a new thought, new theme, new idea. Chapter 8 must be a whole new story. It's not. It's all one together, all right? You've got to read it as a letter. And so when you read it like that, he goes, I thank God for Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, myself serves the law of God. But with the flesh... My flesh serves the law of sin before I was a Christian. Why? There is therefore now. The word now, he's bringing it into the present. The reason why he writes down now, he's saying, I was talking about the past, now I'm talking about the present. There is therefore now, right now, bring it into the present, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, when you're in Christ Jesus, guess what? No condemnation. As a Christian, you and I can live with no con condemnation. Now, I didn't say you live in no condemnation if you're living perfect. Because no one could. That's the whole point that Jesus died on the cross on our behalf and he defeated sin on our behalf. Because if you do mess up, you ask God to forgive you and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and it's forgiven like you've never committed it. You're washed by the blood. God honors the blood. God honors. He loves when you confess your sin to him. It honors what Jesus did on the cross. It honors God. It honors all that he did on the cross. I love the fact that God came up with this idea. The whole plan, the whole purpose, the whole desire was God's idea. He, 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 had a, he, he fought the battle before we even knew there was a battle to be won. We talk about the battle and he won the victory for us. He came on our behalf before we even knew we needed it. Isn't that good? And look what it says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now obviously that's clear that what he was talking in chapter 7, that was before he met Christ. Because you can't say this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You know that some people say, because it says is who do not, that we, we have no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. I believe that's true. Uh, some people say that, that that particular one in the original scriptures wasn't there. Whether it's there or not there, it does talk about that later anyway. Like the whole power of the gospel is that it empowers us to walk in the Spirit. All right. Let's look about the, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can we all agree that there is a Spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus? The Spirit of the living God, the very presence. I think of life, I think of love, I think of faith, I think, I think of joy, power, miracles, signs, wonders, gifts, uh, mercy, grace. Peace, we all need peace. All the attributes of who God is, the spirit of life. For the law, the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, the, the law of sin and death, a great example, it would be an aeroplane. An A380 uh, aeroplane is, I don't know, I've, I looked it up, but it's like, let's say, there was about 670,000 pounds of weight. It's impossible for an aeroplane to fly without thrust and the law of lift. Absolutely impossible. True? Because gravity is holding it down and drag is holding it down. But when you've got engines on this A380, who's been on an A380? Massive aeroplane. So big. You think, wow, this is phenomenal. This thing, with all its weight, is going to go in the, in the air. But it's got these massive, powerful engines. 
without the thrust of the engines, it starts to push it into whatever kilometers it has to reach before it can fly, 300, 400 kilometers, I'm not sure. But once it's got enough power flowing, the, the air hits the wings and creates lift. Gravity can't hold it down. Even though gravity's trying to hold it down, that's the law of sin and death. Law of sin and death wants to hold us down. But as long as you've got the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it will take off. You will find empowerment because you're tapping into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But the point is, if you don't tap into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you have no hope taking off and walk in the spirit. It's impossible. You and I cannot walk in the spirit without the presence of God. Without all that he's provided. I need to know that he's provided it. I need to know that he set us free. Yeah. One of the greatest keys is that he's actually broken our relationship with the law. There is no relationship with the law in you. You will not be judged by the law. That is good news. Stop thinking that you will. You will be judged, but you'll be judged according to your works to see the rewards you get in heaven. That's the judgment you and I will stand to. We stand at the judgment seat of Christ woo, to receive what we've done in our bodies and we're going to receive a reward depending on how we built on our life. But that's the judgment. Yeah, I will be judged, but according to the rewards that I receive in heaven. You too. Not if I make it. Am I going to make it or not? You've already been translated from death to life. already become a citizen of heaven. You already were in darkness. Now you're in light. You were a child of the devil. Now you're a child of God. Your identity's changed. Does that make sense? There is another judgment, though. It's called the great white throne judgment. We don't go there. That's every unbeliever that has, has, does not have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. They will stand at the great white throne judgment. Does that make sense? we just got to know. That's what the Bible says. You, how do you know this, Leo? It's in the Bible. If you need to see it for yourself, come up to me and say, where was all that that you said that's in the Bible? Because we don't even have the time to go for every single scripture. But we need to believe what the Bible says. True? This is the scripture for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I, I need to know that I, I, I have absolute um, availability, access to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Not if I'm good enough. Not if I deserve it. Not if I be perfect first and then I have access. So that means I'm trying to earn it. Not because of that, but because of what Jesus did, I have access. That's the, that's the empowerment. If you're in your mind think, okay, when I'm good, when I give up, if you think, if I give up my own addictions, my own sin, and the things that I'm doing, if I, when I have the strength in my own self to give it up, when I give it up, then I can uh, access God's presence, whoo, then you'll never do it. Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. If that was the case, God would have just said, keep the Ten Commandments and you have life. If you could do it in your own strength. God knew you couldn't. God knew spiritually dead people cannot keep the Ten Commandments. He gave the Ten Commandments that it would be the knowledge of the law. So we would know what sin is, so that we know we're a sinner and we need a saviour. It was to show us what sin is. It's the knowledge, to keep everybody's mouth shut before God and everyone would know that they have to give account to God. All right. We're getting to this really good stuff. We're really building it. This is I love the word. I know you love the word too. This is, this is, it. This is, this is amazing. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, what could... What the law could not do, that actually means it was impossible for the law to do this. What the law could not do, and that it was weak for the flesh, because the flesh had the spirit man that was dead, driving, and the flesh was in control, it was weak for the flesh. God did by sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh. I looked up the word likeness. It literally means likeness. Jesus was sent by God in the likeness of sinful flesh. In other words, he lived, yes, for a virgin birth. Yes, he lived perfect without sin. So he's not, he's not a sinner. That's not his likeness. He became a man and put on flesh. Now he's representing mankind. And when he dies on the cross, he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. Absolutely. Because he became sin. He became sin for us. So, so it says, what the law could not do, God did. Everybody say, God did. When God does something, don't you think he does it completely perfect? The sacrifice is perfect. You don't have to give up another sacrifice. Perfect. Because God came up with it. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin. On account of what? Sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. The word condemned literally is krino. He judged sin in the flesh. Sin has been already judged in Jesus. It's been judged. God's not going to judge your sin if it's already been judged. It'll be a great misjustice to Jesus if he judged your sin if, when he already had judged Jesus as if he was the sinner. Even though he didn't sin, he consumed the judgment. Sin has already been judged. Now look at how God looks at it. He sees sin as judged. That's why you're not accountable to the law. You have no relationship with the law. You died to the law through the body of Jesus Christ and now you've been resurrected and married to the one that's resur he's resurrected and you're married to him. A love relationship. The empowerment is love. You get that? So that, the word that means in order that, in the intent that, this is the reason why that happened. So that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, you get empowered to live. And the, requirement, uh, the righteous requirements of the law. You couldn't before you got born again, but once you got born again and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now so that the righteous requirements of the law can be fulfilled by us if you do not walk in the flesh, but choose to walk in the Spirit. Because walking in the Spirit is empowerment. God's presence comes. You can't do it without the law of lift. Without those engines, those engines pushing the airplane, the thrust, the law of lift never takes over the law of gravity. The law of gravity, the law of gravity is still in existence when an airplane's flying. But the law of lift supersedes it. The law of sin and death is still around us. It's available for you to tap into if you want to. Or I want to. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has superseded the law of sin and death. That wants to grab me. It wants to put, it, put its hooks in us. It wants to take, you know, get the hook in, get the temptation, lie to us. You know, it wants to, and if you give it access, it will. And if you do as a believer, you go back into bondage. Even though you're saved. You still go to heaven, but you can get back, in, back into bondage. And bondage is not fun. Who knows that bondage isn't fun? Being tormented. Being lied to. Anxiety, worry, stress, fear, all that's bondage. Unforgiveness is not fun. Being eaten up by anger and hatred and bitterness because you've allowed the thoughts to hit you and you don't know how to renew your mind. It's not fun. God really wants his church free, I'm telling you. He so wants it. He's, getting, he's going to get what he, he paid for. He's going to get what he deserves. He's worthy of our sacrifice, our life, a living sacrifice. See, that's... That's what he's done for us. He gave him his all. All of a sudden, you want to, out of love, sacrifice, a living sacrifice, 
because you want this love relationship with him. That's where the empowerment comes from. Who do not walk so, so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What's that in verse um, 5, isn't it? This is the Passion Translation. I like it. Those who are motivated, motivated by the flesh, only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset, listen to this, the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan. It's the mindset that's focused on the flesh. You know the word flesh? Now, if you've got your Bibles there, if you're reading NIV or other translations... They've changed the word flesh to sinful nature. Very bad translation. Absolutely evil, to, if you ask me. Maybe the people intended you know, to, to do their best in it, so the people that interpreted it weren't evil, but I think it was Satan's way of, oh, great, if I can, if I can get this, this interpretation out there, it'd be great, because the believers will think that the sinful nature... The flesh is the word sarx. Sarx in the Greek. Sarx literally uh, means flesh, meat. And in the, in the Latin, carne, Italians know carne as meat. Carne is flesh. So what should conjure up is flesh, this physical body. Because your spirit man, before it was resurrected, before you got born again, that was spiritually dead, and that's what the sinful nature was driving. That's where sinful nature was coming from. Does it make sense? My mind was unrenewed with bad truth and all the lies of the enemy, and so my flesh was leading me. But my flesh doesn't have a sinful nature by itself. I do believe it has memory. So if it's used to sinning, it's got a memory. It'll want to go there out of habit because it's used to it. That's the sin in me. Remember, Paul talked about before he knew Christ. That's a memory part. But you can change the memory and you can renew your thinking. The key to this is renewing the mind. Because when he talks about for those who live according to the flesh, who are those who live according to the flesh? Have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Their mindset is about flesh. Flesh is, um, your, your physical body is the flesh part of you. But I think it's not, it, yes, it's the gateway. Like you have eyes, ears, the, the, the five physical senses is the gateway of getting information in. But if a, a mind's unrenewed, I, if I see something, if I say, let's say I see, I don't know, a, a fleshly driven mind is someone that's driven, like it says, what can this do for me? Because the mind's unrenewed. If I see money, a fleshly driven mind says, what this money can do for me. So I don't care if I do anything to hurt other people because this money is going to bring me happiness, security. I need this money. So that's seeing money through fleshly eyes. True? But a spirit-filled mind that's renewed sees money. He can go, I know what this money can do to help people. Yeah. Same thing he's looking at, but he's looking for a renewed mind. Does that make sense? Yeah. A man sees a woman. Fleshly, we go, oh, I know what I can, I know what that person could do for me, and I could abuse her, don't care about her dignity, and don't care about her feelings. I want her to fulfill mine. That's flesh, sexually. But the eyes of the Spirit, the love of God, is that you're valuable before God. And you, God loves you, you're treasurable. You don't see her through what she can fulfill you. That's an unrenewed thinking. That's why your mind has to be renewed. And you can go on. You can go on every little thing that you can think of 
when your mind's renewed, you don't see people for what they can do for you. You see it through kingdom's mindset. What can I do to equip them for their destiny, for their call, for them to serve the king and impact this world for the love of God? What can I do to help them become the best them in Christ? But if I look at it, even in the kingdom, even if it's not Christian, it's not kingdom, but even in the church, I can look at someone and go, what can they do for me? Man, Dean's a very good bass player. He's going to make me look good. Or a guitar player. Wow, he's a great guitar player. He's going to make me look good. I'm going to put him up there and not care about his marriage or about his life or about how he's going. So it's, it's what are we viewing life through? Flesh? What it can do for me? Or a renewed mind motivated out of the love of God? Does that make sense? I'm just trying to help us think through the fact that unless our mind's renewed, and I've got to believe the fact that my flesh doesn't have a sinful nature by itself, even though it, it was trained maybe 20, 30 years to do that. It's got to be untaught that. And my brain had all these lies in there, bad truth, and, and not bad truth, it's evil lies, which is not truth at all. And I believe lies, that's driving me. I've got to change that thinking. Does it make sense? Because if I think and believe, I have a mindset that to get ahead in life, I've got to just think about me, number one. No one else is going to take care of me. No one else is going to think about me. I need to think about me. I've seen what life can do to people. So unless I want to get ahead in life, I've got to gather, gather, get, 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 keep, 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 and don't care about anyone else but number one. Because if you don't take care of number one, no one else will. That's a wrong mindset, isn't it? It's a belief system on, based on lies. But when you see the kingdom, you become generous and you realize, God, you take care of me. You're my provider. You're my shepherd. I shall not want. And Lord, I thank you that you've taught me to give and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. The more I give to others, it sh I shall reap what I give. And I, what I sow, I reap. And all these truths that the Bible says, I live out of. Because I renewed my thinking. I'm going to live completely different from that person thinking, take care of you. Or, God, you, I trust you. You take care of me and I'm going to be generous. Does that make sense? I'm trying to help us earth what the Bible actually says. For those to, who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, if you're going to live according to the Spirit, you have to set your mind according to the Spirit. And the Word of God does that for you. The Word of God changes your thinking. Get this Word and washed. Ephesians 4 says that Jesus, by the washing of the water, by the Word of God, Jesus washed His bride. Jesus washed His church with His Word. He died on the cross, yes, he did all that reality, but then he spoke out, you're forgiven. You've got righteousness. I give you the gift of right standing if you put faith in me. God, through his word, spoke out beautiful things over his bride. It's only when you believe it, it becomes a reality. Does that make sense? Only when you actually believe the truth. The gospel is only real and becomes the reality when you believe it. For to be carnally minded, the word, the word carnal means flesh, the same word, sarks. To be carnally flesh minded, according to the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life, zoe life. The word Z-O-E is the zoe life of God, the very nature of God. That's who we have access to, the very nature of God. Because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, driven by the unrenewed thinking is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Even as a believer, if you're in the flesh, you're not pleasing God. And if you keep walking in the flesh, you 
you actually bring in death to the presence of God, death to love, death to joy, death to peace, death to the life of God. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're not releasing heaven everywhere you're going. But you, look at this, I'll read it again from verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. Paul's just obviously saying, guys, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. The word dwells means He has made His home in you. You're not living in the flesh if the Spirit of God has made His home in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of the Anointed One, Christ, He is not His. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. What is he referring to? The body should be dead in its activity of obeying the flesh. Because it's dead. body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. I believe that's talking about your spirit personally. The spirit is life because of righteousness, the gift of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I mean, that's a beautiful promise that every single believer can take. If you're over 50, take this promise. Why do I say that for? Because it says, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, yeah, dwells in you. Yeah, I believe the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to my mortal body. This is my mortal body through his spirit. The spirit of God can give me life. I can live longer if I choose to. But if I speak death like everybody else does, and I speak, oh, I'm getting old. Oh, yeah. I can't do that like I used to. The body goes, yep, listen, command center of the brain. You know, your central nervous system of the whole body is connected to your speech. Neuroscience and scientists and, and uh, neurobrain surgeons know this now. The, new, the whole nervous system of the whole body connected to the speech center of your brain. So when you say, I'm hopeless, I'm no good, I, I'm old now, I can't do this like I used to. The, ner- the whole nervous system is getting commands from the central nervous system. Uh, so central command center of the speech saying we can't do this like we used to It'll keep adapting to what you're saying over yourself yeah. Woo! Yeah. therefore brothers it, it's, I'm, I'm building this I know we're running out of time but give me a few more minutes who gives me five minutes anyone yeah. five yeah. ten fifteen twenty twenty five thirty thirty five I've got another forty here okay. I, I won't take long Therefore, brothers, we are debtors. We're in debt, not to the flesh. Brothers, we're not in debt to to live to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I know people that walk with God, who gave into the flesh, even men of God, pastors and leaders in the body, who gave into the flesh, and they, presence of God, they died to the presence of God first, the life of God, the joy of God. It might last for a few years. But eventually they're taken out. Listen to this. But if by the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do you do it? By the Spirit. By being connected to the one you love. Because he's the resurrected one. I'm married to him. He's full of love. He's full of joy. He's full of peace. He's full of presence. And I just, I'm connected to him. I can receive him as much as I want to. With nothing in the way. I've access to the very presence of God, access to the throne of heaven. Depends how much I believe this. You have what you have, you, know, you, 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 you have everything you're hungry for. So you've got to get a revelation to make you hungry, then you go for what you're hungry for and you get it. This is this. 
gets better. Right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of the living God, they, or these are the sons of God. For you did not, this is the climax of the scripture, I reckon, what he's arguing about, the point he's trying to drive home. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage or slavery again to fear. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery. The word, um, the word bondage literally means slavery. You did not receive a spirit of slavery again to fear. A slave fears his master. A slave has uh, fearful of his master but that he'll be judged. But the judgment's been broken. You don't have to stand before God when it comes to judgment. The law is not accountable to you and all that sort of stuff. You've been free from that judgment. You have received a spirit of adoption by whom that spirit of adoption means sonship. You, this is the biggest revelation you'll ever get. You and I have been given a spirit of sonship. If you're a daughter, daughtership. I'm taking that word. I know it's not a real word, but you're a daughter, daughters. Sons and daughters. You have been given a spirit of being a son and a daughter by whom we cry. Abba means daddy. Father. Papa. In Italian, papa is a, an endearment word. Daddy. Father. We're children. That's why he goes on to say, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Do we believe that we're heirs of God? Joint. Heirs with Christ. I have to read it like this because this is how it feels in my spirit. This is what we've got to get. If, John, if Jesus was there, standing right there, he probably is in the spirit, but if he was standing right there and you could see him, how full of glory would he be? John the apostle saw him fell as a dead man because his face shined brighter than the sun. So think of Jesus full of the glory. Eyes aflame with fiery love. His, his chest was uh, bronze, his, uh, so his legs were like bronze in the fire. That was the glory of God shining. And his mouth, when he spoke, a sword of the, like a sword of the Spirit, and it was like thunders. And if Jesus was standing there, hang on a sec, I'm a joint heir with Christ. All that Christ has, you're a joint heir. Everything he has, you have available and you have access to. Not if you deserve it, not if you're worthy, not if you be good enough, because of what he did at the cross. Amen? Everything. A child, guys. Some of us don't understand what it means to be a child of God. I've got children. I said, my dad and mum, they worked their hearts out. They worked hard. They're Italians, didn't know the language, came from Italy in the 60s, worked two free jobs, each, literally each. So all the ability they had, the gifts they had, all the strength they had, all the energy they had, all the wisdom they had, all the knowledge they had, all the absolute ability they had in God. They worked so hard, they paid off two homes. So when, we, when they died, because they died young, instantly, not because we deserve it, not because we had to work for it, not because we had to be good enough, it's because we're their children. We had their second names. We inherited everything they worked for. True? You just get it. One day, me and my wife will go to heaven. Everything we've ever done, everything we ever worked for, just the children just inherit. That's air. That's how you got to think. We're thinking air of God. Tonight we'll go deeper. Believe it or not, because even creation waits for the manifestation, the unveiling of the sons 
of God. When it says creation, it's the whole universe is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. In the passion, it says they're on the tippy toes. They're on the tippy toes. Expectation, waiting to see the sons and daughters of God be revealed. Wow. That's why it's the glorious gospel. Glory-filled good news of the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, we're going to do something. These guys can lead us in worship. If we can stand to our feet. I just want us, after we're going to worship God, we're going to sing a song, but I want to pray for us. Maybe you just play something in the background. One thing, knowing this, I've given... Uh, something that I, a little bit of that I have a little bit of revelation that I have because it's only a little bit just a, a few glasses of the ocean this whole ocean's full of this revelation we're just tasting of it but you can't just have it here you have to learn to experience you have to learn to encounter and you, nothing is received without faith so when you're in your own prayer time your own closet when you're in by yourself start to take these truths that's why I say read Romans 6, 7 and 8 take these truths as God speaks to you take it and actually speak it out encounter Him in it if you say that I'm a joint heir with Christ I open up my heart I receive all that He is to the degree of the faith that you have you start walking it you encounter joy comes on you peace hits you His presence melts you His love overwhelms you this is the empowerment of walking in the Spirit because if you don't experience encounter then you're not empowered to be able to walk we yield think about it. we yield in prayer we yield our will we yield our will our wills connected to our, our mind our will our emotions our intellect and our thoughts follow our feelings follow everything follows it's easy to obey God when you're in prayer that's, the, that's why we should pray always praying always with all prayer and supplication pray without ceasing because we're yielding our will Amen. God's already here. You don't have to do anything except receive. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to try. But I, 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 yesterday, I thought, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've done too. I'll ask God to give me a cleanse. I have access to someone you have access. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.